Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com/acast. That's greenlight.com/acast. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just two fifty. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. My name is Dave Hanready, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 118 of the No Encore Music Podcast. This is a special standalone interview episode with Paul Allright, much like the previous long-form interviews on No Encore with the likes of Girl Band, Wallace Bird, Sage Francis, and Delarentos. We were lucky enough to be joined by an artist with plenty to talk about. As such, as I said, this is a standalone interview episode, and our guest today is Paul Allright. Paul has just released his new album, Hungry, which is one of the most engaging, emotive, inventive, and interesting records of 2018 so far. I must confess that I did kind of sleep on it for a couple of weeks, and upon listening to it, I instantly kicked myself for doing so. As quite honestly, this is the kind of album that we need right now. Much like the new Kids See Ghosts debut, which we'll be discussing in depth on the next episode of the show, Hungry is an album of sharp, superb storytelling, and there's a fearlessness to it that I greatly admire. And you leave it feeling uplifted, even though it doesn't shy away from darkness either. Hungry is Paul's first release under his own name, having swapped out his lethal dialect moniker for this new sense of direction and self. We talk about that decision and how he views himself in the wider hip hop, rap, and spoken word community in Ireland, a community that he's been a part of for a few years now. Has that changed, or is the idea of a scene something of an awkward construct to begin with? Is it more about in- individuals and their voices than anything else? We talk about all of that, as well as Paul's burgeoning acting career. What's next up for him on that front? Why support and resources are hugely important to an independent artist such as himself. His background in knowledge of and love for all things science, and a whole lot more. 
Cullum and I really enjoyed his company, and I hope you will too. So be sure to check out Hungry on whichever platform you favour, be it Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, or otherwise. I don't know if it's on Tidal, but sure, who actually uses that one, eh? So, without further guff, here's Paul Allwright. This is Seeds of Doubt from Hungry, and once that plays out, we'll bleed into the interview. So, enjoy. I said I am authentic. Look how they mirror me so closely. And none of them come close to me. So it's no wonder that they loathe me. I said delete the words. I'll make them hard to digest. So long as I just give my best. I am guaranteed success. I said I am a tour de force. That's just par for the course. Even if I'm holding court with no support. I do this of my own accord. I said in the crucible of doubt is where my strength of mind was forged. Let those Delighted to be joined in studio by Paul Allwright. Hello, man. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks for having me. Are we going to do the round of applause? Yes, yeah, of course we are. Our, our customary stadium full of people <laughs> clapping. Uh, we were talking earlier on, uh, that other voice, of course, is Colin Regan. Hi, Colin. Hello. We were talking earlier on uh, about lots of different things off mic, and I was raging that I didn't have a microphone in my hand because we were waiting for the studio. But you used a specific word a couple of times that kind of stuck with me. You used the word perennial. So I guess, perennial. is that kind of like something that you look for in music in general now like, like is that a shift that you've kind of had where you, I guess you because you were kind of intimating that it has to really impact upon you and it has to stay with you yeah I mean I think uh, there's a shortage of uh, perennial things in general now you know what I mean everything is kind of a uh, quick easy fix not just music but like videos and content in general and um, everything is trying everything is a, a, a massive uh kind of cry for a, for a brief uh, moment of your attention because there's so much going on, you know. Um, and perennial is a... It's like... Is it Iron Maiden I was reading about recently and they, they like never had like a top five, top ten hit, but they own a jumbo jet and fly to all their own gigs and their own band member flies the jumbo jet because he took time off to become a pilot and, <laughs> uh, you know... They've sold millions of albums. They've uh, done like hundreds of countries, but never had a hit. You know what I mean? And that to me is like perennial. It's like they're, they're never going to be the in and the now, but they're always going to be around. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you put out an album that you said at four years of writing. So, I mean, it's a question that we kind of ask a lot, I think, as music journalists. I mean, is it a case of, okay, I'm abandoning this now, I'm putting it out there, and it's not mine anymore? But I guess after such a build-up, is there any kind of hesitancy whatsoever to be like, this is it now? Ah, yeah, of course, yeah. You know, you always want to tweak. You know, you always want to go back and... Like, I learned a lot of patience with David Prendergast, who produced it, because um, kind of in the previous uh, projects I've done, it's kind of getting sent instrumentals. You do your bit, and then it's kind of done. And with Dave, it, like, it was all organic, so it was like sitting in the studio for hours and, and trying to figure out a melody... Uh, for a chorus or a synth or whatever and the process was a lot longer and I was very impatient at the start you know I was like Dave come on for fuck's sake we need to get this out and he was like no chill out take your time and Dave if you know Davey Davey takes his time you know <laughs> so he taught me patience but you know that kind of had the double edge effect because towards the end then I was like well we don't need to release it now we can go back for another while and just tweak it and there comes a point you just have to let go you know 
Yeah, I mean, it, for anyone who doesn't recognise the name David Prendergast, we're talking, uh, it's Overhead the Albatross, uh, Dave. And indeed, like your live show, I know you play with Ben, with Dave, obviously. Um, Leah did strings on the album. Yeah. Um, Twiggy, he's been playing with them lately, uh, brought stuff Twiggy as well. Smiles, like, uh, does that really kind of change the game, though, in terms of your creative process? Because I guess a lot of people have this idea of, like, you know, hip hop artists can really easily just do, like, the bedroom thing. Yeah. That's not you. No, uh, I mean, I did it. I did two albums essentially like that. And um, it just, if, if it was, I actually was going on to do a third one, which would have been LD53. And just, it just wasn't uh, inspired by it, you know, just kind of getting sent the the instrumentals and, and working on them there. It wasn't a very immersive way of creating. And then when I linked up with Davey and, you know, he's in the studio, he plays like a, a load of instruments and he's messing around with stuff and you know then there's people coming in and they're playing these beautiful strings like Leah and you know you've uh, Nick coming in putting down lovely vocals it just makes you step it up as a creative in general you know um, even with like the, there's parts of the album where it's just strings and piano and it's like Dave is like no you can't just rap on that like you have to you have to do something else. You have to, like sing sing get out and sing on it come on and or put down some spoken word on it even you know, so a challenge like the music he's making and the way he does it challenges you. You can't just go there and rap on it. You have to, you have to just dig deep and find something else. You know that suits the music. I mean, I think everybody's kind of, <coughs> pardon me, kind of like made the decision that you know, like the lethal dialect, Paul, all right, switch. You know, you can see it lyrically, I guess, in terms of like the honesty and the sort of personal touch, essentially. Yeah. But was that as much musical then as well that this was a kind of a, a full scale shift from what you'd been doing? Yeah, I mean, the, the the two kind of went hand in hand because I was changing as a person and I was writing about stuff that that interested me and that changed a lot in between this album and, and previous albums because um, because I'm nearly thirty, probably you know I can't. I just uh, you, you just get to a stage in your life where you're like I, I just can't uh, I can't spend time doing anything <clears throat> that doesn't move me, and so I'm only trying to do stuff that moves me. And you know that was a a sort of a natural progression in the music, and then also in in my own mind state and the stuff I was reading and the, and the, the things I was doing. Um, so it was kind of it, it was all in unison essentially. Yeah. But uh, I, I actually didn't want to make a big thing out of it. And, like, you know, but I knew that it, this album, when I listened back to it, when we got near the end of it, I knew I had to release it under my own name. And it just felt right. And then I come up with all these amazing reasons why afterwards. <laughs> but I knew it just was the thing to do. It just felt right. And, um, and yeah, I didn't want to make a big thing about, oh, I'm changing the name and this is why. But... Uh, one of the lads who kind of looks after the stuff we do, Dean Scurry, he was like, look, you have to, you owe people an explanation because you get messages all the time on Facebook. Where the fuck is Lethal Dialect? Right, right. You know what I mean? So you kind of owe people an explanation. So I didn't want to make a big song and dance over, but I had to... At the same time, I, mean, I remember doing the album for the first time and I was just opening track, Genius, and I was just like, oh, he's come out as a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially that as well. That is a, that's a brilliant way of putting it. That was a... Yes, like, I suppose there was always an aspect of that because the first album was LD50, which is like, you know, Lethal Dose is 50% and the chemistry and the science thing was always kind of there, but it was right. also hidden behind... You know, it, it, I suppose the the street stuff and the tough stuff, and you 
kind of it was almost like a, a weakness to admit you're intelligent or not yeah. even intelligent but that you're into things that would be considered intellectual or whatever and uh and yeah, so that's a, it's a great way of putting it. <laughs> but that's already though, I mean, like uh, anyone who's ever listened to uh, Zach and Nelly's kind of sporadic, I guess, these days podcast within a mile yeah. home, you were kind of their science correspondent for a while, basically, like, kind of, <laughs> yeah. like chemical correspondent. I mean, like, but I guess, I mean, like, do people get surprised when it's like, oh shit, hang on, you know, like, I don't know anything about that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I suppose, like, it's a, it's a strange thing, you know, because um, I suppose there's two sides of it one is like you you don't want to be you don't want to be uh trying to pseudo intellectualize it and be like oh i did so you know what i mean and all that shit so there was the thing of like i actually dropped out of science i didn't complete the course so i can't go around saying you know <laughs> i do science like i just i'm genuinely interested in it i'm like it's a it's something i'm passionate about and uh you know when i was doing stuff with for nelly and zach it was a way of like I'm just reading the the science I'm interested in now. I'm not having to sit through, um, you know, the mathematical side of physics for 40 minutes and kicking and screaming through it, but I can read up on the stuff that actually interests me. Sure. So, you know, it was good to be able to, 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 to do it for the lads. It's that kind of mix, though. I mean, like, I think, you know, because we talked as well off mic about how you need an album to kind of hit you quickly and also stay with you like and and the whole idea of like you know a lack of attention span in the modern age and does an album still take you on a journey and i think with this album it actually does like like on the strength of even a first listen i found myself quite you know i i I, the mix of that kind of side of you but also i think it manages to speak to kind of old school irish storytelling without doing it in the hoary old cliche way yeah was that was that like a deliberate thing or did it just happen that way yeah definitely no it it was deliberate because you know we were only chatting a while ago. Um, actually, myself and John Connors were chatting about it, and you know, I was kind of saying about the poets and 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 the, the kind of poets in the Irish canon. And you know, if they were alive now, would they be doing poetry or would they be dabbling with hip hop? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. because yeah. of, of the 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 globalization of the internet, you know, people listen to everything. I'm not sure they'd be just doing poetry. You know what I mean? So, so in, in a way, uh, I do have a lot of time I love spoken word uh, I love poetry I wouldn't be as I wouldn't be a massive fan of reading it I kind of want to see the performance with it as well you know which is something you get out of hip hop like I don't really read rap lyrics unless you're listening to sure. it as well you know yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah part of it is like wanting to wanting to encapsulate that vibe but in a modern context but without being too wanky about it you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. You mentioned John Connors there, which brings up uh, your acting. Uh, you guys worked together on Carbo Gangsters, yeah, I guess, yeah. wasn't it? And uh, yeah, look, what what what's that side of things like for you now? How are you finding it? Uh, yeah, it's a bit weird. Like it's because it's not a million miles away. It is a performance in yeah. a way, you know. And there's a lot of learning lines in it, which is very similar um, to what I'm doing anyway. But I kind of, I d- like I don't know if I enjoy the process because it's quite a it's quite a grueling process like there's times where you're doing scenes and you know you're emotionally drained after it um, but really you know I'm not going to make it out to oh it's so tough you know if you're getting to act and not be in work it's, a, it's, it's amazing it's a privilege it's great I prefer it than that any day of the week but really the, the most difficult thing about acting was like trying to stay warm the entire time because <laughs> everything I've done the last four films I've done is it four now? Four. There was a couple of a couple of shorts like, 
uh, I've only done one feature, but th- on the feature in particular, it was freezing the whole time. And I'm like, how are you expected to like? And then I, d- you know, did a little scene in a in another uh, movie, and then a couple of shorts, and I'm just freezing the whole time. Like, <laughs> why don't people shoot movies in the summer all the time? Like, I saw I saw you writing a play. Is this just expressly because it's going to be inside? Uh, that's a big part of it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, no, I, I actually I. I there's a f- strange, what was the story? Like, there's a weird story about how I start writing the play because it was like someone totally off the cuff who uh, who inspired it. It was I think it was Joe Clark actually from CWB. Um, he was listening to that to the album and he said uh, the last album I think or was it this one? I can't remember. But he basically said um, he said look, I love what you do musically but he said I think first and foremost storytelling is your thing he said I think you need to write story a story beyond the context of music as well you know or uh, at the same time and um, I think someone had said to me uh, about the old Chinaman about the, the kind of the visual lyrics in it and that and it was a much bigger story as well that I kind of put down into this small track and I had it in mind, had a mind of going back to it, and then when Joe said that, he was like, "Look, I'm going to link you in with the guys from French, and you should develop something outside the context of music." And then I linked up with them, and um, they loved the idea, and they've been kind of helping me uh, with the development of it, you know. So it was, um, it's really nice to be able to write something uh, with so much structure to it. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was the whole. I was like so sick of writing. Uh, stories but they have to rhyme and they have to fit in this uh, little space of time on the beat and they have to have a certain cadence to them and all with this you just it's just a blank slate just write and write and I'll stop till it's done and I mean like you've always kind of collaborated or you've always had people around you really I guess so is it like less difficult or is it easier to just kind of have that collaborative process within this kind of form because I mean I guess when it comes to whether it's working on a script or that kind of thing you're probably going to get a lot of notes, right? You're probably going to get a lot yeah. of, like, do it this way or yeah. do it that way. I mean, like, how much kind of control can you retain while also trying to have that kind of sense of confidence? Uh, well, see, when I wrote the play force, the thing that intrigued me about was being able to write free form and not putting structure in it. Because uh, one of the things that I'm terrible for and I had to, like, revise that a little bit on the last album is just being way too structured even the multi-syllable rhymes like everything's perfect everything's real rigid and logical and you know it's all precise and that was where the spoken word came in in this album because spoken words are a lot more free form and it's not as rigid and it doesn't have to rhyme and the rhymes are unexpected and then you mightn't go a few you know a couple of bars without rhyming and and so I was intrigued by the, the idea of being able to write this story and so I did it and I brought I brought her into Ruth and she was like, yeah, the idea is great, but like, is it like a slice of life play? Because it's just like, you know, there's, there's no structure, there's no form to it. And that was the thing that kept coming back was form and structure. And I was like, all right, so I, I have to inject form and structure into it now. No problem. If there's one thing I can do, it's fucking structure something, you know? <laughs> uh, so I wrote, I got the phone out of it by just writing all the ideas and all the scenes out. And then when I brought in the structure and the kind of plot to it, that that's when you have to. Um, I don't know. It was a Stephen Pressfield said, uh, "Kill your babies" or something like that, <laughs> something like that. Um, but that's when you have to kill your babies because the scenes there that you think are amazing, but they don't push the plot and they just get scrapped, or you keep them to the side for something else. So, 
uh, yeah, that was that was fun. Are you working on music at the same time as doing this? By the way, this uh, can they ha- go hand in hand, so to speak? Well, I wrote the album while I was writing this, All right, okay. and and I was like going when I was getting uh, pissed off with the with the album stuff, and it was like hitting a create block. I was going to the play, and it worked, but it was. Doing that as well as working a job was a bit fucking intense. Like, Sounds quite draining. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I don't. I, I definitely wouldn't do it that way again. Like, I, I think it's one project at a time, especially when they're you're putting it all into both of them. You know. Sure. Um. So I, I definitely wouldn't do it again. But it was. Uh, it was good to know not to do them both. At How time. are you after the fact though? I mean, whether it's the acting, like in watching yourself on the screen, or whether it's the album and going back to it. Can you just enjoy it? Or like, are you one of these kind of people who are like, I, I could never watch myself in a film. I could no, never... I love seeing myself in a narcissist. <laughs> 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 no, I'm only... Me- I, 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 like, I'm used to... I suppose when I look back at something, I'm, I'm used to seeing myself and I'm always like... You have to look back to be able to critique it, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. Um, it's very... I find it easier to deal with acting because you're looking at your own... It's You haven't seen the scene you've done you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and you're looking back at it and straight away you can kind of see if there's anything you would have done differently with music it's very hard because you've been listening to it the whole way through and it's very hard to get an objective view of it um, but I've no problem listening back like I, I, people probably think I genuinely am narcissistic how I like I genuinely be listening to the album all through the process on my headphones like I know where uh, my girlfriend is I, I know she says she loves the album, but I'd say she's absolutely fucking sick of the album because <laughs> I've been playing it so much. And it's just to try and break through, you know, when you listen and you listen and then you go, right, that's not working. Like, sure. Right. You have to make yourself used to it and then see what parts of it you don't like, you know. I've already seen you talking about how you'd like to make them in the future. That That's not a spoiler by any <laughs> means. But like, are you itching to get back into it or? I'd love to, yeah, but I, I couldn't deal with the way I did it. I did this one um, because... It, it it took a lot of time and resources, mm. you know what I mean? And I'm like, like there's a great, uh, the, the fruits of the labour are the labour itself. I definitely believe that. But when when you're putting your all into it and it's actually kind of eating away at your own life, that's when it becomes a problem. And that's what this album was. And, in our, and for me to continue doing stuff creatively, I have to do it bigger and better than the last time. And if I'm to do bigger and better than this one, I know what I need to do and, you know, we need more resources for it and I definitely need more time to do it. Sure. And um, so in a way, we uh, we kind of need a bit of backing as well, you know. I don't think I could do another one uh, the way we did it independently without some type of backing behind it because it was just, it just, it takes an awful lot and, you know, as I say, the labour is the, the fruit itself. Yeah. But it takes a lot and doesn't really give much back. You know You've I mean? uh, you floated that idea, I know. I mean, like, have you found even in, the, like, the initial kind of putting it out there period, like, are people embracing that? Because, I mean, I guess, you know, as we said outside off mic, I was like, the amount of free music I get that I never even consider yeah. paying for. But I guess, you know, like, you do try and support local artists where and when you can. But I think we're all guilty as well of just taking a lot of shit for granted. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. how do you kind of become that I guess that kind of not middleman but how do you kind of be like hey guys you like my stuff let's work out something that we can all enjoy you know like, yeah I, I, it's like I'm paying my rent yeah exactly yeah well in fairness you know I've maintained a steady fan base the whole way through from the first album and it's I'm pretty much guaranteed that when I do like a show in Dublin 
it it's got people are going to turn out, you know. And so that's that's a blessing. But there's also only so many Dublin shows you can do, you know. Of course, yeah. So the question we're kind of teeing we're teeing up is like, you know, is it an album you can bring around other like I suppose like Damien Dempsey is someone who I work closely with and the thing with Damien was he, he can tour um and like he can go to somewhere in Dingle and people get it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I'm not sure if I do this in a in, in a venue, in a smaller venue in Dingle or like, you know, one of them kinda very country towns, offside towns if they if they'll get it. You know what I mean? Because uh, Damo's singing and it's an accepted art form. Now with this album it's a little bit better because it's like blurred in the line of poetry and spoken word and hip hop. And you can manipulate people's perspective because when we when we go out and do a show as a as a support for someone else, when you open up a singing or when you open up a spoken word, you kinda get a very different reaction, depending on the crowd of course. Uh, but if it's a more reserved all the crowd, you get a different reaction than if you come out and start off with rap. Sure. You know? So um so I suppose it's it's trying to figure out uh how to bring this album to more places than Dublin, you know? And uh, you know, it's we're we're gonna look at bringing it to London and stuff like that, but it again it is all independent. I suppose it's I'm trying to show the appetite is there for that and people are coming to the gigs and people are actually streaming the album and people are getting the fucking lyrics tattooed on them, you know what I mean? So that I'm trying to show whoever the fucking keyholders are that to you know, th- this is where it's at. Like don't wait on the rubber stamp of approval from the UK or from the US. Like back some of it, you know what I mean? And uh, and you have to be careful not to be kinda you have to be careful not to become not to sound angry or pissed off about it because we're genuinely not we're happy out what we're doing, but it's just like you reach a glass ceiling over here and it can be frustrating sometimes. You I know? think it's especially though the case when, like you say, like if you start working on a play or even if you have an idea for a play, you know, you get put in touch with people. There's Arts Council funding. That whole system is sort of there to support, mm. you know, those projects, even if they might not actually balance the book, so to speak. Yeah. Whereas in music, I, like that infrastructure just isn't there no, really is it no it doesn't exist I mean it, like it's you know it's um, I don't know I, I don't really know what the Irish music industry are looking what the keyholders are looking for like because even look at the the urban scene here or I hate the word urban but that's what they yeah. that's what they call it you look at the urban scene here like that's I mean there's so much hype around it there's people consuming the music and listening and stuff like that and it just seems to me that you know that it, it seems like it's teetering on the edge of something. Yeah. But it's almost as if people are waiting on that big, big thing, that big, uh, that big cosine for yeah. them to jump on it. And it's almost as though that's been happening for a while. As yeah. Well, and it's like, it? why the fuck like, do we need a cosine? Just, but you know, it's there. Like people are coming to the shows. People are getting excited about. It. People are listening to it. Throw fucking money at it, you know what I mean? But as someone who's been around for like a few years now, you've seen like the scene kind of grow. And I remember, yeah. I mean, I remember being in the hot press office when the likes of Maeve Heslin and Stuart Clark were the only ones who were banging on about what they would call the nascent Irish hip hop scene. Yeah. And Lethal Dialect was one of the names that was thrown around quite regularly and got coverage in the magazine. Um, someone may or may or not have put in a lethal district typo in there once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't wasn't me? I, I, I guarantee you that. But I mean. 
I guess what I want to know is, because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but were you on that RT documentary like years ago? It was, yeah. Which yeah. kind of went down the wrong way. Yeah. And obviously since then, it's it's changed and the complexion has changed. So mm-hmm. are we seeing, like, finally some kind of acceptance uh, and empowering of a scene? Or is there the danger that it's a false dawn? I mean, like, I, I agree with you that it's teetering and I'm yeah. wondering what's next. Um, You know, I like... Personally, I prefer not to look at. I don't like. I don't like looking at scenes as a collective thing. I think it's you know it has to be an individual thing and individuals collaborating certainly. And but when everyone focuses on their own individual art and then that comes together naturally as a collective because you know it's going to be grouped in that way anyway. Uh, it just works better rather than you know someone trying to gather and to get this is the scene we're going to push it forward and all you know. Because um, I'm I'm. I was doing Irish hip hop in the very early days, and there was that mentality of like it has to be about the scene and all. And the scene isn't an actual thing, you know yeah. what I mean? It's not. Yeah. It's not a living, breathing thing. It's a collection of individuals. So I feel like it's it is still down to the individual and and, and the moves they make, and you know the way they want to approach it. But I just I, I don't know. I look at a lot of the acts here, and I just feel like they're doing everything right. You know what I mean? They're they're, they're taking all the boxes, and it's hard not to think that if if it was a, a different form of music, that it wouldn't be being back to the hilt. You know, yeah. um, and I'm not even sure what backing it means. I'm not even sure what that ensues. But I know that you know a, a lot of the acts are friends of mine. I chat to them a lot, and I know that it's tough for them to continue even kind of creating you know and and there has to be some type of infrastructure there for this thing and you know look if it is a false dawn I've kind of there's people being around long enough that they're kind of I think always going to be around so I don't know if there mightn't be as as much of a hype about as many people but there will still be you know the, the the same acts that have been plugging away for. I don't think they're the going perennials. Anywhere. The perennials, <laughs> I nice. love it. Top Full call, circle, top call back. Full well circle. done. Well, I guess I mean like with this album where you're at now and kind of with the people that are coming up and kind of emerging around you. And as you say, it comes back to the individuals. Comes back to what everyone is doing in your own output. Like, how do you feel about where you're at now? Like where you stand amongst all of this? I've kind of uh, accepted the fact that what because one of the things that I've realised is that we. There's a great book called Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday, right? Which uh, planted the word perennial in my head. And it's basically, um, he's a marketer, but he's also a creative dude. And he's worked with big companies and stuff like that. So he's a great business mind as well. And basically what he says is um, the first thing he asks, any, he asks any creative when he's working with them is what exactly do you want? Because most creatives say they want one thing, but then they do the opposite of that. And I think there's a lot of creatives guilty um, of saying, no, I don't want to be uh, in the now. I want to be, you know, plug away and, and, and develop a career and, and, you know, work kind of in, at a slow pace towards all these things. But then they're wondering why they threw out their video and it didn't go viral. Yeah. Or they're wondering why they're not getting radio play. And it's like, well, if you want that, you have to do the things for that. And I suppose, you know, with, with 1988, I was kind of, it was a mix of both. I was, I was like, why is this not getting play? And why is the, and with this album, I've realised where I am. I'm not, I'm never going to be the in and the now guy. I'm never going to be, I, I'm ne- I don't think I'm ever going to get radio play. I'm not trying actively to get radio play. I'm trying to uh, do, to create music that 
moves people and that hopefully uh, they are going to consume it time and time again when it comes out and come to shows and make a show where it's it's a it's somewhere you go and um, it's it's an experience you know what I mean that's that's what I've been working on so now I'm not throwing out videos and looking at the hits and you know uh, sending stuff to radio and wondering why they're not playing it which I might have been guilty of a bit before uh, now I quite, I've kind of accepted my place and, and what it is and I'm not doing I'm not creating music that's in the now I'm not saying I never will but right now um, I'm not trying to do that you know I'm yeah. happy enough with the stuff I'm doing that's fair I guess lastly from my end anyway um, you say you, you might not be a narcissist but how are you with compliments and praise? Like, like how do you deal with that? Uh, I've, I think they're a little bit dangerous. Okay. Because I've been in a position where I release one of the Lethal Dialect albums and like, people telling me, you know, like the Irish Naz and the lyricism is, and this, that and the third. And I did develop a bit of an ego about it. And, you know, it, it's, the ego is a dangerous thing, you know. It's, a, it's, it's insecure. It's constantly looking for, to be fed and it will consume everything that's in it, uh, almost kind of like what's happening with Kanye on a much bigger level. Sure, yeah. Or, you know, someone of of that nature, um, or even a Trump, like... Uh, so, like, I had, a, obviously, a, a smaller level because it was I wasn't interacting with that many people. It was just a few compliments and a few messages and um, and, it, and it builds you up to, to have this ego and the ego is fucking dangerous because... You, you don't want to hear anything else then. You just want the compliments. You know what I mean? And actually, the best thing you can get is critique. Like, one of the be- like Blind Boy said about uh, my, my, all our music, um, the lyrics are amazing, but the tone is, like, mundane and boring. You know what <laughs> I mean? And he said, like, the, 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 the Dublin accent or the way I deliver the Dublin accent is just, you get bored of it. And that to me was like, right, now I have something I can work on. So with this yeah, album, yeah, I worked yeah. on the cadence and trying to work on the delivery and tones and stuff like that. You can't do that with a compliment. You sure. know what I mean? With a compliment, you sit there and you... you Thanks, yeah. You hold your arms <laughs> and go, yeah, yeah, right. You know? well, I guess the, re- the reason I asked it in particular was uh, because with this new album especially, how do you react when someone comes up to you and says, hey, here's my tattoo of your lyrics? Yeah, I mean, I, like I'm, I'm touched by it, but I've also broken down the ego to a point now where you know, at the end of the day, I still have to go to work. So I know that although it's touching this person in in a way that they want to tattoo lyrics on them, which is amazing and it's mind blowing. That hasn't happened with the new album. By the way, it was an album. Okay. Uh, no, well, Colum, you know what to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's just you know, it's um, it's it, it gets to the stage where it's like yeah, I I appreciate it and I'm glad it's it's hitting you in that way but I can't let it, it it affects me in no way because at the end of the day I go to work tomorrow and if I'm late I get a fucking bollocking from my boss and they don't give a shit who has tattoos on them you know what I mean sure yeah so that's a it brings you back to the real world I guess yeah it does yeah it's a nice way of uh, someone said to me it's it's character building like when I when I was I was working in a very busy coffee shop in town uh, all through the process of writing this album and you know people are saying look it's great it's character building and all and then it gets to the stage where it's like you you know you chips away at the ego and it breaks down the ego and that's great you're this you know a person that's way more in touch with with with, with the music and not what you want 
you're not making me what was I said you're not um, you're serving the creativity you're not using the creativity to serve you right. and that's you know part of that is breaking it down and getting to that stage and then it just gets to the stage where it's actually tearing into your soul and ripping you to shreds and <laughs> <laughs> so there is a fine balance you know <laughs> you're trying to get something out before that happens and like, now it's just right. like I'm mortless what's the point in doing anything at all <laughs> on a brighter note um, you're in Ivy Gardens soon enough right Saturday 14th of July is that right yeah that is because it's is my it? it's my birthday on the Thursday very oh, good go. yeah Okay. You've memorized your birthday because we're recording the podcast. We record oh, the podcast sure, on Thursday, Dave, yeah. so that's yeah, why. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, God, that's what you're today. Perennial and narcissistic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I am a perennial narcissist. <laughs> the words of the day, yes, yeah, like an episode of Sesame Street. Um, and what what else beyond that? Then quickly, I mean, like, do, is there a plan? Uh, I've been working away on a few uh, little short films and stuff like that, and hoping to do more of the acting stuff. And uh, if there's, you know. We're looking for, I suppose, a producer and you know a couple of resources to 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 create some more music, you know, because uh, Davey's off a cold line now. They're after getting him. In he the, sold out. They're they're getting him like, in the headlock and uh, throwing <laughs> loads of money at him. And I don't think he'll be as available to do another one. So I I want to do another one, but it has to work, you know. Yeah. Well, best of luck with it. Thanks. If we hear of anyone, we'll pass your details along. Don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> For, and, uh, for a small finder's fee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're getting another one of your tunes to spin right now, but uh, once again, Paul Allwright, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. That was Paul Allwright in conversation on the Encore. Once again, thank you, Paul, for taking the time. Thank you, listener, for listening to it. And do check out his album. I think it's all really, really good stuff. We will be back on the show as normal at the end of the week, where, as I say, we'll be discussing the Kids See Ghosts album, and we'll probably be discussing Craig's final college presentation and how it went. Uh, now that he's finally back amongst us. Now that I've said that, he probably won't turn up. I guess we'll see. So, to close us out this week for Exit Music, who better than our guest, Paul Allwright? This is Seeds of Doubt from his album, Hungry. My name is David William Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Back very, very soon. They said I was a fraud. They said I was a sham. They said things that gnawed away and made me feel like less of a man. They said I was a letdown They said I was a phony They said I only had to ask Anyone who knows me They said they'd eat their hearts They said to save my breath They said the day I see success Will be the day the sun rises in the west They said I just don't measure up They said I won't amount to much They said I'd never cut the mustard And my best just isn't good enough They said in comparison I pale May as well not even try You'll only feel embarrassed when you fail They said nothing when I fell When I travailed to pick myself up They said all they could to knock the wind out of my sails They said I ruined everything I touched They said they hate the way I talk They hate the way I walk They hate the way I look When I felt like I was on the up and up They said it struck a bit of luck I won't be long before I'm stuck back in a rut And I believed what they said naively The seeds of doubt they sowed had wrapped around my mind like vines When I turned to other cheek they laughed and said that I was weak And when I took the bait they said that I was a disgrace 
A lost cause, a hopeless case They said somebody would oust me Only nobody cares enough about me They even said this world would be better off without me But when they said that, I said I have to answer back Flawed, but proudly tall I stand And despite all the things they said I know exactly who I am I said I am authentic Look how they mirror me so closely And none of them come close to me So it's no wonder that they loathe me I said delete the words I'll make them hard to digest so long as I just give my best I am guaranteed success I said I am a tour de force That's just par for the course Even if I'm holding court with no support I do this of my own accord I said in the crucible of doubt Is where my strength of mind was forged Let those words keep spewing from their mouths All they said lit a fire underneath me and now there's nothing they can do or say to douse the fire out I said it's like I have a Midas touch How I turn shit to sugar lead into gold A minus to a plus I strive for greatness now I'm on the cusp Holding a straight flush I made my own look I leave them in the dust I mean every word I say believe me The seeds of doubt they sowed began to wither and untwine When they said the chips were down I said I turned the ship around When they said the call it quits I said I'll give my all to this The dark horse of first place The nerve of them to even doubt me Wouldn't even have a voice without me But wait now I'm speaking way too proudly Cause all the things they said Were the doubts in my own head podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. 
Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.